Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Glad you guys are here. Everybody doing right this morning? Ready for the, it's, we're here. The holidays are here, right? Um, Michelle's already down in Texas. We get to go, uh, I fly out today to go be with all the kids. It's always a joy to have everybody together. I hope you will have a, a time to gather with family and friends the next uh, week or so. Um, if you are visiting with us, um, we have been in a series in 1 John, and we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 through verse 10 of chapter 3. There's a Bible underneath the seat in front of you if you want to follow along. A um, couple quick announcements before I pray. Um, Right after this, if you've been a part of our Alpha, and it's obviously open to anybody, we after this, we have some empanadas and coffee. Just encourage you to hang around um, this morning um, in these videos. So what we do is we'll get some empanadas, come right back in here, show a 20-minute video on Alpha, and then just have an open discussion. You can sit there and just listen, or you can participate. It's been a really great experience. I really encourage you to hang around just after uh, service. Um, we uh, The topic is healing, um, and it's going to be great, and we're going to, at the end, let me just encourage you, we will be here to pray. Um, and if you have something that you um, want to be prayed for, for healing, we believe that uh, in God's Word, He says pray for each other, that you'd be healed. Um, and so just encourage you to uh, stay uh, for that um, afterwards. So... Also, next week, by the way, uh, I will be in Texas um, next Sunday, but um, Brent Phillips, who used to be on our staff, many of you know Brent, um, the wild South African, and uh, he will be here preaching, and I promise you don't want to miss it. It's always a blessing. He has more energy than anybody on earth, I think, so uh, he'll be here to preach, and it. It's, uh, it, you'll love it, so um, make a plan for that. All right, well, I hope you are here um, hungry uh, for the Word of God. Uh, Lord, Lord knows there's all kinds of stuff going on right in our world. We all have all kinds of stuff going on. Um, but one thing for sure, what the body of Christ throughout the ages, what Jesus meant for the family of God was to gather together, whether it's larger groups or smaller groups, to encourage each other, hold on to the Word of God, and to ask God to right, inflame our hearts for Him and the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we just ask you this morning that you'd come. Uh, Lord, you know where every person is at here this morning. You know exactly, Lord, what each of us is dealing with. You know the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Uh, you love us, God. You desire to dwell with us. Um, Lord, you've poured out your spirit, Lord, for us to have a life in abundance and abiding friendship with you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll move. And Lord, we just ask if anybody's here and they doubt that, they doubt and they're not sure if they know you, Jesus. We just ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd move and do something great, Father. Speak to us now through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, wonderful. Um, all right. Um, uh, we're going to talk this morning about the hidden life that informs and empowers our public life. Uh, does that make sense? We all have a hidden life, don't we? 
We all have a certain life and let's just go inside. It's what goes on in here, in my soul, um, with my mind, my emotions, my will. All of that is the soul, my heart in there, right? And we have a spirit. The spirit is actually that piece of us that is the only piece inside our hidden life that communes with God. And when God opens our eyes, when the Holy Spirit comes in, it awakens our spirit. We're born into this world dead to God, my, our spirit being covered up just by our soul, or who we are. And, and this is the power of salvation. The Holy Spirit comes in and awakens us to life in God again. The life of God enters the soul of man. And this is this incredible journey that Jesus asks us about abundant life, to live with God. And it begins in the inner hidden life. And so this is the place we have to learn to nurture and uh, to, to press in. Uh, and as we've seen in John, he talks about abiding in God. What is this? And some people ask, well, what, what does abiding mean? It's pretty simple, but very profound. Abiding is just, it means when John uses this, abide in him. He means remain in Christ. Remain in him. And, um, uh, and to continue in him. It's this intimate, hidden place of this is who I am and uh, holding on, right, to, to Christ. So, um, this morning, uh, I'm going to just dive in the best I can. I'm going to share some things. We'll see how this goes um, on the hidden life. Um, but I want to begin. I heard this quote. Uh, some of us, a couple of us went down to this conference this week, and it was actually on holiness. And um, what just happened there? When I said holiness... What uh, what just kind of went off in your mind and heart? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Because I think for most of us, holiness is something just vague out there, maybe even boring, untouchable. Um, and so I want to do the best I can this morning to really unpack for us this thing that the world, right? And John, more than any other writer, as he's writing to the church to encourage the church, watch out for the influence of the world, the flesh and the devil. It's a war. It's a war for our soul. And the world has done, especially in our environment today, especially with our young people, it has made holiness the most uncool thing possible. Everything else the world has to offer is cool and edgy. I want that. But do I really want to be like Jesus? Is there a hunger for holiness? Why is that so pushed off in people's minds as unattainable, as boring? And we all have images of just boring, stiff people, don't we? Kind of. Um. So a recent stat across America said the average, listen closely to this, the average Christian today does not expect to be radically delivered from sin. The average Christian in church in America today does not expect to be radically delivered from sin in their life. We have um, given in and, and, and uh, just been satisfied with coping mechanisms to deal with our mess. Right? The world has come in and it's just kind of put this 
hover over the glory of the gospel and the power and the promises of God and we just get content with uh, just give me some steps, give me some coping, give me, you know, just some time to talk it out, to let me just to talk about my mess and all, all of my issues. And I want to be as bold but also as clear as I can because folks, this has to be restored. The church cannot be revived. No society can be revived unless we get back to the essence of what Jesus offers which the gospel has come to set you free from sin. It has come to set you radically free to transform your inner life and your outer life, your entire being, your body, to set you radically free. And faith is that I have the expectation that God's going to do that. That God's going to do that. And that he wants to do that. And I know what you're thinking because as I'm going to read in my own journal is I was wrestling this week as well. I was like, oh, Lord, that's a high mark. Is that, wow, I, I mean, what am I going to do with this sin, with these things I'm wrestling with? And, and, and to hold on the truth of not, not, not this language, I'm just human. You know, that's not a biblical thing. It's what the scripture says, Paul actually in 1 Corinthians says to the church, you're not merely human. If you know Jesus, you've been deposited in your soul the Holy Spirit, the presence of God for fellowship with Him. And the gospel, folks, what Jesus came to preach to us, it has more, uh, the glory of that is there's, it came to radically deliver us. To do two things. One, to do for us what we could never do, which is to make us righteous. Put us in a right back relationship with a holy, pure God and only that comes by the grace of God. No works. Jesus plus nothing. That's called justification, the technical language. But that justification is to lend us when we realize the gracious gift that even in the midst of all my ugliness, all my sin is that God accepts me, not based on my religion, my works, nothing. No matter how hard I try, solely based on faith, I believe you, Jesus. I believe you. And then when we enter into that, the expectation is, is that now that he's inside, that he, we're going to allow him and lean into him and the power of the Spirit to transform our lives. And so what I hope to do this morning is to, because every one of us is thinking, I know, about something, man, I just, I can't break that off. I, I, or, or just we're tempted to go this way, or I've just been coddling, or maybe I've just fully embraced something of the world and the flesh that I'm not willing to let go. And I hope this morning encouragement will come in God's gracious forgiveness and His power to radically deliver and set us free is that's the message of the gospel. Anything less is a corruption of what Jesus came to do, what he did on the cross for us. Any idea of just dealing, sitting back and and being content with coping mechanisms to deal with my mess is an abomination to what the gospel offers us and what Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit came actually to do. So with that said, let me just read for us the word of God and then we're going to break it down a little bit this morning as we kind of unwrap this idea of this hidden life, this abiding life, what God first does inside my soul as we learn to walk with Him and as that presses out into our entire being, okay? This is chapter 2, starting in verse 28, John to the church. And, and those of you just joining us, this is John the Apostle. 
Um, the one that got exiled to Patmos, the one who got the revelation, the last book of the Bible, the one who wrote the gospel of John, the one who walked with Jesus, the beloved disciple who leaned on Jesus, couldn't get enough of the love of God and the love of Jesus. And he's the one who wrote, as we'll get to in the next chapter, uh, the, the, the most beautiful language we have about the love of God. Matter of fact, we're going to hit it right now as well. All right, verse 28, the word of God. And now little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God and so we are. To remind you, church, you're a child of God. If you know Jesus, you are his. You are his, and a child of God, redeemed right, for all eternity. Beloved, um, oh, step back. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And he goes on in the next chapter to say, don't be surprised when the world hates you. You're a child of God. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, Jesus, we shall be like him. Because we, because, um, sorry, I lost my place. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. The word of God. Wow. A lot there, huh? Those are some of the toughest verses uh, when it comes to sanctification, the expectation God has of us to walk in holiness. Um, And I just want to break those down for us um, this morning. But um, every now and then, you know, I'll come and I'll share with you um, a little of what I write in my journal. And so in light of this idea of the hidden life, right, what goes on here informs our public life. And the question for all of us is, what's informing here? Right, what's informing my heart, my soul, my mind, my emotions, Right? Are we allowing the Spirit of God to inform us and strengthen us? And so I'm just going to read, um, this is a journal entry of mine, just give you a little window into my 
um, my hidden life. Um, hopefully this will encourage you. Um, now, uh, don't, don't pick it apart. Uh, I, the, when I write, is that it's this back and forth. And hopefully this is maybe a tool for you. Maybe you don't journal. I don't do it all the time. But sometimes it helps this exchange between God. Remember we talked a few weeks ago is one of the key aspects here is to learn not to listen to ourselves but speak to ourselves. We listen to ourselves then we're listening to our flesh. We're listening to the world's impact in our life and we will spiral down towards all kinds of depression and other things away from God. We are to speak to ourselves the word of God awaken my soul, right? This is what is to happen in this hidden place and as we speak to God. He informs us how to speak to ourselves and allowing the Holy Spirit in our spirit, right, to be in this fellowship that we're hearing from God into our soul rather than being all caught up in the bondage of listening, right, to ourselves. So, uh, I'll go back and forth here, speaking to myself, speaking with God. Um, Here we go. This is from this week. I can't change the world, but I can change the world in me. Now, that's not me, that's Bono, but I love that quote. I wish it was me. Um, you know, I, uh, does everybody know who Bono is, by the way? Um, uh, you young folks, he's one of the, probably the most well-known rock star in the world. Um, and you really older folks, he's a rock star, right? But he's a rock star that knows Jesus, and that's a whole other issue. But I heard something this week that just blew my mind. I just love, love it, and... Um, uh, he said that every time he ever, had, growing, he grew up in the church and, and um, everything, and every time is still, he says, this is what blew me away, he says, still this day, when I'm with Christians, when I'm in a, a church service and, and, or evangelistic thing, and the pastor or somebody says, who wants or who will come and receive Jesus and, and, and receive the blessings of God? He says, I'm the first to get up. It doesn't matter. I want it more. I'm going to go. And I was like, dang. Wow. That's a rock star. I think we can learn something from that. I can't change the world, but I can change the world in me. Oh, I believe in you, Jesus, but I am trying to learn, listen carefully, that more important and profound than my belief, um, than my belief and love for you, Jesus, is that you believe in me. Do you believe that God believes in you? Do you believe that he loves you? Trying to learn that he loves me and wants me to be like him. Do I really want to be like Jesus? Mm. Holiness and righteousness just don't sound fun and exciting. Why is that? If they don't sound exciting, does that mean I don't want to be like you, Jesus? Does that mean I don't think you are fun and exciting? Someone I really want to be with? So many misconceptions, so many deceptions from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Movement away from self-consciousness is the essence of the journey into holiness where we learn to be wholly His. Learning to deny self is the way forward to freedom and abundance. Oh, how the hidden life seems sometimes hidden from me. 
Lord, bring the fire, bring the light into my hidden life. Even in the midst of this, here I am again, Lord, in this sin. Everybody relate? Here I am again, Lord, with this sin that entangles me. Even in the midst of that, Lord, empower me, inform me. Let me abide in you that the world around me may see the joy within me and the holiness that ultimately can only change the world. Um, I hope that you're getting adequate time to work on your hidden life. There's two aspects, there's many aspects. But one is, remember Jesus says, lock yourself away. That no one can see you and come and commune with me. God is beckoning you to be alone with him and to speak to you so you know how to speak to yourself. Um, I hope that you're learning how to develop. The other piece of that is we need somebody to show us how. And this is where discipleship comes in. I hope that someone is journeying with you and you'll just get flat out honest to say, I need help in this area. Show me how to develop the hidden life. Show me how to walk with Jesus. Show me how to talk with him. Um, If you haven't been a part of discipleship, please talk to us. This is where this transformation is fleshed out, right? And so just a couple things um, this morning here. Um, Verse 28, 29, this question, how is my hidden life informing and empowering, right, my public life? Um, Now he says this, now little children, abide in, in him, abide in Jesus, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Now wait a minute. Romans 8, 1 says there's no condemnation, no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what is John talking about here? What he's talking about is if I just am acknowledging Jesus, but I'm not abiding in Jesus, guess what? I am not taking hold of the blessing of salvation that God has given me. There's a radical difference versus I'm just acknowledging him, I'm going to church, I say I believe, versus abiding in him, letting that secret place, letting that hidden place, Jesus to come and to abide, to truly be right with him. And, uh, and he goes on to say, if, if he practices righteousness, or if he's righteous, we should practice righteousness. Um, I'll come back to, uh, to that piece. But folks, I just ask you to wrestle with this spiritual formation question What's going on in your hidden life? And the next question I have for you, who knows your hidden life? Who are you accountable to in your hidden life? Who who are you sharing your journal with? Your honest, blunt thoughts with? What's that besetting sin that you just, it's racking, it could be a thought, it could be an action, it could be whatever, that you're inviting others in to pray, to break, and to lay hold of the power of the gospel to see transformation, right, in your life. Um... Because this is the truth. If Jesus is not informing, the Holy Spirit's not informing my hidden life, guess what is? It's just what I'm feeding on. It's the world. It's the world. And, um, uh, boy, I um, just watching college football. ESPN has these new commercials. I don't know if you've seen them, but they show all these fun big events and they have these little statements. I wish I could actually find it. And it just says, you know, where in the world can you experience this? Where in the world can you experience this fellowship? Where can you experience it? And it ends with no place like sports. And I just want to give you a little insight. That's the world screaming at you. 
sports has replaced on Sundays the gathering of God's people. Sports has replaced. This is the exciting place. This is where it's okay to let all your emotions out. This is the place for you to put your identity on who your team is. It's nothing that hasn't occurred in many different other ways in the world, but it's going full bore in our culture today. The amount of time and energy and passion and emotion, and let me tell you, I'm all into it, okay? Um, but it, we have to ask the question, wow. What, what, where's my joy? Where's my passion for God and His people? Right? All right, next one. Wow. Folks, this is where the rubber meets the road. And this is what I shared in my journal. You ever really thought about that? Do you really want to be like Jesus? Do you really, really want to be holy like Jesus? Again, here's where the world and the flesh and everything has completely messed us up, right? Because down deep inside, we think, "Uh, man, yeah, I don't know about that. I, uh, I'd rather just live acknowledging Jesus, coping with my mess, but I like my life. I like the way of the world. I like the things of the world. I like the comfort of life. I don't want to rub, ruffle any feathers. And for young people, I think about it. Everything, especially today with social media and everything, right, is this 24-7, be like this. You can be yourself, right? What? And, and how does that affect all of us? And I ask you, who do you want to be like? Who's forming who you're becoming? This is the hidden life. Who do you look to as a model? I'm going to do, I want to do life like that. I want to live like that. And then when it comes to Jesus, two things happen. We think, oh, that's Jesus. It's kind of like the Old Testament. Moses, you're going to be with God. We're going to do our thing down here. You just tell us what we need to do. Folks, that's why religion is around. It's because people bail out. They'll acknowledge Jesus. They're not going to buy with him. They expect the professionals to do it and tell them. No, I'm not going to spend time, God, with you speaking to me. I'm just going to turn the podcast on and have somebody else tell me. You understand the difference between acknowledging Jesus and abiding with him, abiding with him, he wants to speak to you. We talked about this last week. Yeah, he, he, yes, he, let the teachers teach. Let them encourage you. But don't be dependent on them, right? That is to spur alive your own walk. God wants to speak to you profoundly. But that has to happen in the, in the, in the quiet place. Man, it says we're going to be like him one day. And so, but John goes on, he makes this point that, man, if, and is that, wow, if you were going to be like him one day when he shows up, wow, everyone who hopes in that purifies himself now. In other words, if I truly have that hope of Jesus' return, right, and, and where he said earlier, where there's not going to be this, ah, this question mark, is that today what I'm going to do is, uh, I want to be like you, Jesus. Let's start now. Nowhere in here does Jesus say, hey, you know what, just kind of hang out, live your life, be kind of cool, be whatever you want to do. One foot in the world, because that's kind of edgy. You know, I want, I want a little Jesus, but I want that edge. I want to be over here in the world and, and kind of look like the world. And folks, here's where the church and relevance has screwed up holiness of God. We think, we have preached, right, in America that you can do that. You can hang out over here, be a little bit like in the world, but man, I can go over here and also acknowledge Jesus. That keeps us from the abundant life Hence why 
there's so many Christians in spiritual depression. Right? They've forsaken the one who right, wants to set you in abundance. The most adventurous, the most fun, the most exciting thing is holiness. It's holiness. It's being like Jesus. That's what you were created for. That's what you were saved for. But boy, the world crunches in, doesn't it? All the misconceptions of holiness, especially with our young people, they just think it's boring. They just think it's, ah, no, the world looks a lot more exciting, right? And let's go down the list. Everything from sex to, to dress to party to excitement, to, you name it. Throw it out there, right? The world, right, is come with great temptation, right? It's a lie. It's a lie. And I think many of you can raise your hand too to say, man, I know it's a lie. I've tried to find satisfaction. It's a lie. It puts you in a burden. It's like this, you know, it's this devious work of the enemy, right? Only Jesus has ultimate life for you. Only holiness will make you whole and alive when the Spirit of God starts informing your emotions, your thinking, your, your will, what you, what you do. That's the life He's called us into but I just want to also encourage you you know John's just overwhelmed remember John's the beloved disciple he, he more than any of the others he got the love of God and he says see what kind of love I love what other translations say that God has lavished upon you God has lavished his love on you he sent his son to die for you you just have to receive it by faith to enter into that relationship that's how much God loves you he's done it in history and because of that, he, he doesn't just leave us there. Yeah, I acknowledge you, Jesus. Thanks for that salvation. Thanks for the forgiveness of my sins. And we've preached a gospel that ends right there rather than that's just the beginning of life. That's where we were born again. Now we get to live this new life. And something's happened where we get the born again, but there's no excitement for the new life, the pursuit of holiness, the pursuit of purity. That's where the wholeness and the blessing comes in, right? All right. Do we really want to be like him? And folks, I don't think we can make progress until I get really honest with my soul and with others in my life. Man, I'm struggling with this. I've got these visions of, of kind of who I want to be like and everything. And folks, this is where young people, uh, this is where the battle is because, the, you know, when in it, through adolescence, you're trying to figure out who you are. You're trying to be cool. You're trying to be in crowd and the world is just beating you up. And if the voice of God and of parents and of speaking the promises over that child is not larger than the world, guess which way they're going to go? And they're going to buy hook, line, and sinker the lies of the world. They're going to go try it, think it's cool, think it's wonderful. And they're going to be just like every other person walking around, bound in bondage to the flesh and the world and the devil. It's time. The church is to be that light to say, this bright, shiny joy of holy, of purity before God. That people go, wow. Right? It says your good works are to show people Something so radically different that they, what? They turn their hearts, give their hearts to the glory of God. Right? Let that joy out, right? And it it can only flow when holiness, right, starts taking over. So the final question. Do we understand that being righteous is practicing righteousness? Now, folks, this is, this is, um, 
Right at the core of we see over the years how the gospel can be corrupted. In America, we've, we've done Bonhoeffer, you know, back in, around World War II, he, he tagged this thing, cheap grace, because it was people um, that took Christians in the church, went a certain direction where they took that righteousness, that, that gift of salvation free that just comes by faith, right? And they, they used it just to hang out there, not to push them on, right, to holiness in sanctification, but just, ah, uh, you know, I'm saved so I can still dabble in the world, right? And we in America have taken that to a whole new level. Most preaching, most evangelistic, right, messages are all about come to Jesus. And here's the deal. We call people to accept Jesus without understanding the very nature of Jesus. And I ask you this morning, have you accepted Jesus? Maybe it was a summer camp, maybe it was a church service or something. But... Do you understand his nature? That the nature of God is holy and pure. It's so glorious, so other than us. And that that God loves us so much that he sent his son, right, to reconcile, to rescue us back to himself, right? And that when that, the spirit of God comes inside us, is it is to awaken us to be like him. To be like him. And that has been minimized. Again, we've been all talking about grace, cheap grace, and just, yeah, just managing my mess rather than taking hold of the power of God to radically experience radical deliverance from sin. There is nothing that you're dealing with. There is no habit. There is no addiction. There is no thought process. There's no trauma in the past. There's nothing generational. There is nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot radically deliver you from. Nothing is a faith issue. And faith individually and faith as a corporate body to trust the gospel and to uphold it for its glory what it is. And to move towards that radical abandonment to God. Jesus, I want to be like you. I need to, and to hold into it as we battle the faith. Now what's important here, these are some big verses, right? It's talking about, whoa, those who know Jesus don't, don't continue sinning. Well, how do I balance that? I only, you, this is very, very important. What John says back in chapter 1 is we have to hold this together. He says in chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The gospel is there when we stumble, right, to cleanse us again and to remove the condemnation, right, and the guilt and all those things and to get us back on our feet so again we can say, God, bring your spirit, transform me, right? And we stumble here, we stumble there, but the gospel and the Holy Spirit is never there just to keep us stuck in a certain sin. It is there to radically transform us out of that into a whole new life. Okay? Um, final thing. Is I just want to give you, I'm not going to take time to read these, but um, where does it begin? Where does holiness begin? Now I'm going to meddle a little bit, but this gets down to maybe some of the practical things. The Holy Spirit cannot reside anywhere that has not been, in any temple that has not been blood-soaked the blood of Jesus to cleanse it so that it's able to have the presence of God come dwell in it. 
Just like in the Old Testament, it was the blood sacrifice that prepared the temple for the present Shekinah glory of God. The whole new covenant, the blessing of the new covenant is that Jesus has come. No longer we're set free from the law, set free from all that religious stuff, and that now this is the temple of God. And it's been redeemed and rescued by Him. Therefore, to honor God with our body, this is the temple. And the beginning of this new life of living with God is, is receiving Jesus by faith, the free gift. The Holy Spirit comes in. And what does He do? He became sin. 1 Corinthians five twenty one, Who was no sin so that we might become what? The righteousness of God. He's come in to clean this temple so the presence of God can come and reside. Now once he's there, he wants to continue to radically transform this life into a life that looks like Jesus in my and in your unique way. Right? And um, we need both of those. Justification. This is by for Jesus plus nothing. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I am forgiven. I cannot run from that. i got to keep holding that. And when I mess up, I don't just get, oh, here I am again, blah, blah, and go down this, beat myself up. That's speaking to them. That's listening to myself. When I listen to God, God says, child, get up. That blood is sufficient to forgive this sin. Even again. Don't get held up by it. You need to move towards me. And maybe you need to bring others in to pray and to break this, to move past and see the radical transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our life. People always ask, the number one question still um, across the board uh, when people are asked what they want to hear about or or what they want to ask God about is somewhere in the realm of God's will. So I'm going to answer that question as bluntly as I can. Over and over, these are just a few verses in the Bible, is that God says this is his will for you and for me, is that you would be holy, that your body would be set apart, holy and pure for God. The journey of holiness begins by maintaining this body. The abiding presence of the Holy Spirit with me. Right? In obeying purity. God, this is yours. First Corinthians says, honor God with your body. It's a temple. That's where it begins. And people say, well, I need uh, dirt. Y'all come on up is that um, we hear it all the time. We need steps. We need uh, practical things, how to do. And uh, John um, uh, and the writers would tell the church, you know what to do. I know what to do. It begins right here. Do I believe Jesus? Do I believe that he loves me? Do I believe he's called me out separate to walk with him, to be like him? Do I really believe him? Or am I just acknowledging Jesus and letting my body live just like the world? If I want to be holy, if I want to abide, if I want the presence of God to bring about radical transformation, I have to learn to keep this body holy unto the Lord. And that's where we need each other, right? For accountability, for strengthening, for encouragement, right? And folks, none of us, none of us here are unscathed from that. And, and the issue I have to ask is, well, Lord, do I take you serious in all this? Do I really want your presence? Do I want to honor that more than my flesh, more than my desires? And the world is telling us, your body's your own. Go do what you want to with it. Right? Somebody said it would be like an amusement park. Enjoy the ride. Just, just, just let your body do what feels good. 
Folks, I think many of us could give testimony is that's just a sure way to radical fragmentation of your soul and destruction. No, the way, the joy, the freedom is holiness. And Father, my, and my encouragement to each of you this morning is none of us, you haven't gone too far. You haven't done anything that God today can come and make you holy and start a journey of abiding in that hiding place with God. Right? To see holiness as the coolest freaking thing on earth. Nothing's greater. Right? Than the work of the Spirit of God. So Father, this morning I just pray your word would come convict us. But Lord, the beauty of your conviction is it's, ah, it's wrapped in love and forgiveness. Lord, you have the best. You've told us you know best. You know where each of us are at. You know what each of us are struggling with. Lord, you know our our flesh pattern. You know them, Lord. There's nothing hidden from you. So, so Father, may we just be honest. And may we never, ever, Lord, lose expectation of your ability to radically transform us, even now, even in this moment, even in this place, Lord, for your glory. Lord, may your people run to you, run into your arms for your forgiveness and your joy. Father, we love you. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.